Welcome back to Cherry Becker's Government and Public Sector Podcast Series. This will be the second in our mini series about SFAS 54 leases, where we'll, we will be covering uh, topics related to completeness of your leasing population. I'm Danny Martinez, the Government and Public Sector Accounting Advisory Lead. Uh, in my role for the group, I uh, work with our team in implementation of upcoming accounting standards such as uh, GASB 87, uh, GASB 96, and on the federal side, um, the new federal leasing standard. With us today, we have Richard Hart. Richard, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Danny. Uh, so my name is Richard Hart. I am with Cherry Becker for a couple of years now and had some prior experience. Most of my clientele uh, relates to federal and state and local governments. I've been doing audits on federal and state and local for a little bit over a decade now um, and excited to come over here and talk about a new standard. Great. And thank, thank you again, Richard, for your time. So if you all remember in part one, uh, we talked about how you identify your implementation team, how you start to get trained up on the standard. And so once you've done that, you're going to be transitioning into phase two. And phase two really is the area where you may spend the most amount of time. And it's probably going to be the amount of time where it's most variable. Because really, in phase two, you're going to, how long is it going to take me to feel comfortable about the completeness um, in the population? So Richard, my first question is, you know, we're here about the need to, you know, sift through the contracts. So it's really important to identify all your leases. And, you know, we throw out the auditing assertion of completeness. So why is completeness um, so important related to the new leasing standards? Um, so, Danny, I mean, if you think about it from an auditing perspective and just in general, um, there's three types of information, right? There's the information that we know. There's the information that we know we don't know. And then there's the unknown, the unknown of what we don't know that we don't know. Right. And so that's where completeness lies. And that's where we get scared as an auditor. Um, so completeness is very important because you're trying to ensure that you are encompassing everything without truly knowing what all is there to start with. Um, and so a lot of ways, um, there's no one right answer with trying to figure out completeness, but there's a lot of different tools that people utilize that I think is great. First of all, I would say start out by thinking about what your normal lease term is. You know, if you're a standard five-year lease term for everything and then you'll always do rebids, um, I would say then you need to look at things at a five-year time frame. And a lot of my clients have been doing things such as reviewing all board minutes, um, looking for what's been approved within those board minutes. Um, a couple of items, you know, for going forward as they're looking for the previous, they don't want to uh, put themselves in the same position going forward in future years, is they're creating a new checklist requirement on procurement items. So in, inside of current contracts that are being executed, you know, they have a couple of questions there to identify if there's any embedded leases, which we can uh, talk about later. Um, and so that kind of triggers them to look at them going forward and, and not have to do this completeness check again uh, in future years. Um, the other thing that I think is very beneficial is to not try to you, you obviously have to centralize the team that's uh, identifying this, but you decentralize the work. So have department meetings, speak about what you're looking for in layman terms for each department, for what they understand, and then have them come to you whenever they think something might or might not be a lease. Um, they don't need to know what it is. They just need to know what type of key terms you're looking for so you can make the assessment. And 
decentralizing that and empowering them to look throughout their own information, um, super effective. And it, it makes them feel involved within the process as well. Um, a couple of other things is you can definitely use data and analytics. I mean, we talk about that in the audit practice um, with how we perform our audits, but it's used everywhere. And so data and analytics is great whenever you have those maintenance accounts to where you need to go in and jump in and, you know, look for things that have recurring 12 payments a year or six payments a year and that are recurring. That way you can pull out the underlying documents and review those. Um, you're looking for those monthly recurring payments that look like a lease, right? Or a rental. Mm -hmm. You can look in the rental accounts too. I mean, you do the same thing. Look for rental accounts. Look for things that are uh you know, standard same 12 month uh, payments and then look into those and see what's inside of that payment, what it's related to. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a bunch of ways, but that's it's all necessary. No, thank you. I mean, that that's a lot of helpful information um, that you provided in there. And one of the challenges with the, the leasing standard and that idea of you don't know what you don't know is when you're thinking about materiality, it's not just an individual lease, right? You're also thinking about how many leases in the aggregate could we be missing, right? So if we're missing, say, a five ten thousand dollar lease, okay, fine, who cares? But if there's a thousand of those five or ten thousand dollar leases, you know that that number and that liability that you'd be missing on your financial statements could be um, pretty large. Yeah. You and also touched on um, you know, on some creative ways to uh, search for completeness, right? You mentioned the da the data analytics. I just thought it'd be a, a good idea to share one other one. Uh, in terms of saving the time, you know, you talked about decentralizing the work, uh, and there really is an opportunity for federal governments to also pass on some of that work to um, uh, some artificial intelligence software, right? And so there's there are softwares out there, some that we partner with, that take those lease abstract agreements. So you send them your 50-page, 100-page, 300-page lease abstract, run it through a text reading software, and it's going to then spit out for you uh, the term, the payment amount, any escalations that, that all those types of terms that you might need in order to book it according to the new leasing standard, it's going to grab them for you. Um, the one caution I give to people when we talk about that is artificial intelligence being what it is now in 2023, it's going to get you a lot of the way there. But, you know, you're still going to have that 15, 20 percent human check, right, to make sure that everything um, looks looks correct and that you've grabbed everything related to the abstract. So so, Richard, you you brought up this idea and you know, this scary concept that we have of embedded leases. Right. It's one of the challenges that most federal entities and state and local government entities as they went through implementation have is what is this thing about? an embedded lease. I'm, I'm, I've heard that these are the hardest to find. So can you help and share what an embedded lease is and maybe give some examples for the audience of what you've seen in practice? Yeah, I mean, uh, and essentially an embedded lease is you have a contract with multiple components. So you're trying to dive in and look and see what those multiple components are and to really see, are you leasing equipment or an asset or anything else or, you know, just having services? So. Um, Anytime there's a service involved, you really want to double check and see what you're getting for your money. 
Um, we know the federal government likes to spend their money wisely, so they're going to get the most bang for their buck. So if we're looking at these service contracts, we know those procurement officers are going to be strategizing and, and trying to get the most that they can. And we need to be looking at those and seeing what other components they were able to get that government entity. Um, and so some of the things, you know, if you're at the Department of Transportation, you're going to have a lot of things um, such as the rail cars and, and everything else under the sun with regards to transportation. So you're going to have a lot of fixed assets and a lot of equipment pieces that could be involved there. Um, and you just need to double check. Another good example would be IT, information technology. I mean, there's so many different ways that they bundle their services with equipment that you just have to almost look at IT related anything underneath a uh, microscope and just dive into it. Um, a couple of uh, the other ones that are, um, you know, just very simple would be like advertising contracts. You know, I, I obviously seeing what all is involved there, uh, janitorial services, you know, are you just getting the service that the, the individual is providing or are there other assets involved that they're allowing you to have or use, you know, um, and obviously, Danny, as you mentioned before, as we're assessing these, we also look at them at, at a materiality standpoint. I mean, you know, we might identify all these and then determine that some of them are immaterial, but that has to be in the assessment. As an auditor, I'm not going to come in and and see and talk to you and say, okay, you might have done, assessed it and didn't um, determine that it wasn't material, but I have to see the documentation. So when I come in and discuss, you know, if something's material or not, I would expect um, that the uh, government entity has documented that and documented their assessment. Um, as long as it's reasonable and sound, then we move forward. Um, and so there's there's a laundry list of different types. Um, we could go into a million of them, but those are a few. Right. Perfect. No, no I really, really appreciate it. You know, as we work through our advisory services that we provide, one of the most popular items is this embedded lease checklist that we have, right, where we list out some of the things that you, we mentioned. And we said, take this to your departments and and go through these and, and make sure that you've thought through the service versus the the asset component. And just in our preliminary work with, with federal governments, that idea of bundling that you talked about, I mean, you, it's just pervasive within the federal government where it's a large contract with a lot of things underneath. And so the, the 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 idea of there being embedded leases housed within them is going to be pretty likely and something they're going to want to, to pay attention to. Well, Richard, I appreciate your time. We have one last question for you before we uh, break for this second part of our podcast series. So a lot of federal entities are about to embark on their completeness journey. You know, th their implementation date is October 1st of 2023. You know, that's going to be that start of the year uh, of of implementation. And so what words of wisdom do you have for them in terms of identifying all their leases? I know you gave them some some tips in terms of completeness, but as far as the 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 journey that they're going to be going on with implementation, is there anything that you want to put on their radar that we haven't already covered? They have to just plan to execute. You don't want to go into this assuming that you know where everything is. And you don't want to go into this assuming it's going to be easy. Um, you would rather go into it thinking it's going to be the most difficult thing in the world, and then it ends up being easy. Um, so plan to perfect would be my first advice. I mean, you got to make sure that you have your your from you know phase one that you discussed. You have your team set up and you're ready, 
And then you got to go forth with that and make sure that you have the right structure in place to, to move forward. If you don't plan it properly, it's going to be a nightmare from day one. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, for that advice. And, and I couldn't agree more. Uh, Richard, thank you so much uh, for joining. If you'd like to contact Richard or I, you can reach me at danny.martinez at cbh.com and richard at richard.hart at cbh.com. We're both uh, also pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, so thank you very much again for joining. We'd like to thank the audience for listening. Please subscribe to our podcast uh, series and be on the lookout here in the next couple months for our next two um, episodes in the series on the federal leasing standard uh, implementation. <laughs>